Thinking Basketball Podcast. My name is Ben. Welcome back to another episode. And today we are, uh, I feel like I'm talking like Christopher Walken. Cody, what's going on with the cadences today? There's a lot of very sharp uh, pineapple, um, you know, situations going on. What are we talking about today? Oh, I remember. Um, The idea behind today's show, we did it a couple years ago. I had Danny LaRue from the Dunk Don podcast on a couple years ago, and we talked about players coming into the season who basically we think are going to be the candidates for most improved player, the guys who could take the biggest jump in the year. And the motivation for me behind this exercise is really to understand what teams, not from a coaching change, not from a stylistic change, but from the individual players changing. What, from that perspective, what teams are going to surprise us and improve and kind of move and not be part of the status quo from last year? So historically, Cody, um, you know, we've seen it recently with teams like D'Angelo Russell's Brooklyn Nets and some of the Pelicans teams and um, the Kings teams. And you get these guys that are young players usually. And... They take a leap forward. They might not even become an all-star. They just might go from like the 300th best player to the 60th best player. And all of a sudden you fill your roster up with these guys and you go from winning 25 games to 45 or 50 games. Similarly, if you're a pretty good team and then Kevin Durant comes back and he's a top 10 player, um, Luka Doncic a couple of years ago when we did it, that was the season he kind of went from like, oh, this guy's good to, whoa, okay, he's an MVP candidate. Now you're in the, not just in the playoff hunt, now you're saying, how can we get deep into the playoffs? So for me, the entire motivation is just to really sort out, like, what's going to happen as we go into a new season that is going to be different from last season based on a handful of players that we typically see. I think in that episode, I said the average was something like six or seven players per season or something that take a kind of material jump in the all-in-one metrics and things like that. Who are those guys going to be, and how is it going to affect the landscape of the league? That six or seven players number, I think is really key to figuring this all out, because I felt like I'd have like a discernment of optimism, Ben, because I'm going through the roster, and I'm looking through, and I'm like, all right, I could theoretically make an argument for pretty much... Okay, I'm not going to say pretty much. I can make an argument for like 80% of like year one to year four type of players. I'm like, all right, if they just tweak this, if they're able to do this, if they can dribble right a little bit better, like maybe all of a sudden it all comes together. <laughs> if but they, like, if they know, learn the left-handed dribbling, is that that's what you're saying? Yeah, if they're not an ambi-turner next year, like <laughs> then maybe they'll actually be a good pick-and-roll handler. But when I'm like, all right, there's only going to be a few guys that actually improve. So I kind of went into it with the mindset that's like, who are my key like five guys that I'm going to plant my flag in that are going to improve? And then who are like a bunch of other guys that I can just like maybe in a sentence or two kind of say maybe why I'm not clear on how they develop or maybe I think they'll develop but just like a little bit. Yeah, the s- similar thing for me. And I would say this time around, I haven't done this in a few years. I, I was really fascinated by teams with, to me, multiple candidates. So as we said, usually these are young players. Although I would say the Dallas Mavericks have a very interesting thing going on where, like, do you count Dante Exum coming back into the league if he can all of a sudden be like a good, uh, you know, he was the MVP of the Turkish League, I think, last year. And he's a significantly more mature player is 27 or 28 now or something like that so can a guy like that do a Manu Ginobili and come back and be good as a as a kind of older new player even though he was in the league for a ton of years I mean there are there are some exceptions in terms of the aging curve but typically for me uh it's guys who are under 24 under 23 and then some of these teams now some of the rosters are set up we'll talk about them and maybe we should start with one of them that I know you're excited to talk about, um, you go through and you're like, wow, they have two guys. They have three guys. They might even have four guys that you can look at and say, I see something there. There's potential there. And if one or two of them jump, then this is going to significantly help the other players around the team. Like if the team already has good players, um, all of a sudden, you know, does that eke out four, six, eight extra wins because you get two more good rotation players or players that could even be better than just rotation players? I, 
I don't know, but that's where my that's where my head is. Yeah, there's there's like two teams that I kind of had to watch myself. There's actually one team in particular we've talked about them quite a bit in the past where I'm like, "All right, I want to give all of these guys like a clear jump forward, but then at that point they're just going to be competing for like the Eastern Conference Finals." Uh, so, you know, I had to go through and be like, all right, who do I actually think is going to improve there? But yeah, there's a couple of teams that definitely have like more of these guys. There are a couple like, for, for lack of better words, like toxic situations where I'm like, I'm not really sure if players are going to develop how I'd like them to in this system. And then there are some guys that I'm like, I don't know, because of sort of the log jam of people at that position, I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to find the opportunity. So there's like a lot of like roadblocks to some guys that I thought that might have a chance, but I just don't see it given their situation. I'm, I'm pretty fascinated that you said East there and not West. And I'm like, man, Cody, I knew you liked the Wizards, but that is, <laughs> wow, going on the Corey Kispert train. Um, let's start. Can we start in the East, actually? Yeah, oh, there's a team. I kind of want to I kind of want to use a team to talk through this concept and talk through some of these players. Uh, because the flip side, Cody, is when they're all on the same team, they're like competing for minutes and sometimes they're competing for, you know, you can't have like all of them on the court in the same lineup. I, there was a team I was scouting uh, just, just for this podcast, trying to touch up on some things I wanted to look at. And I was like, can I get a lineup with all three or four of these guys on the court at the same time? I was like, oh, they played zero minutes together all year because they're bench players anyway. So it's hard to get like, oh, let's put all of our 19 and 20 year old uh, potential blue chips out on the court at the same time. So there's some competing forces when they're on the same team. But I want to start in Atlanta because one guy for me uh, that I think is very interesting here. Well, they actually have three players that I think are interesting. But um, one that the first one that jumps out is A.J. Griffin. And A.J. Griffin, uh, he actually ended up starting 12 games last season, averaged 13 points a game in those games, played about 30 minutes a night. But he didn't even shoot well in the games he started, and his calling card is shooting. And he is a uh, legit high-level shooter by the indicators. Our uh, Chip Jones has talked about his shooting since he was back at Duke. He's been a, a big fan of his development and if you look at another thing I do with young players, Cody, is I'll try to look at anything we have over the summer, which might include like FIBA basketball in this summer like this one. Um, it might include summer league for some of the players. And then I'm looking for sometimes upward trends at the end of the year. So you go look at their film at the end of the year and you're like, OK, A.J. Griffin is clearly working on attacking closeouts. Like that action of using his shooting, having someone run at him because of his shot, and then learning to take two dribbles and learning how to finish or uh, he's not much of a passer, but, um, you know, he's not much of a ball handler. So how, how can I expand on that action and get really comfortable taking two hard dribbles and either finishing at the basket or in his case, the other thing I saw was uh, just really nice deceleration skills to develop a pull up in the mid range. So that intermediate shot. And you start working on those things. He uses his body in his case to, to maybe create a seal, get defenders on his back, use a little physicality. And you look at those building blocks at the end of the season. And then you say, all right, he's, he's young. He's X number of years old. He's 21 years old or whatever. And he's going to have the summer to work on this. If he were to, if he were to clean this up, what does a more actualized second-year version, third-year version of this player look like um, even though we don't expect him necessarily to be a star. And I go through and I look at the candidates like that. And the Hawks have a couple, in including AJ. So I think AJ Griffin, um, I'm going to use the B word, Ben, uh, one of our favorites, bias here. Uh, one of my biases when I'm looking at players like this is I kind of, like, there are some skills that I think are are more difficult to develop throughout your, your career. I think uh, uh, Evan Zaucha outlines this really well in his article about feel. And a couple of those skills are like, I think, defense, passing, creation, that kind of thing. So when I see A.J. Griffin, this is a guy that, you know, he's a he was an okay enough shooter coming in. Like, he didn't perform as well as I think that maybe we can see him getting to. So do you, like, do you see him improving significantly in his scoring ability? Or do you actually see some tendencies that make you think, yeah, his, his passing and creation is actually going to make a jump that's going to balloon his value? No, I don't know if it's his passing is in his creation in his case. Also, I should... Um, just clarify, he, he just turned 20. Uh, actually, as of recording this, he won't he turn 20 for, for another few days. So he is like 
literally just hitting 20, so he's very young. Um, I wouldn't say it's the ball handling and the passing that I'm looking for at this level of player here. What I see is him getting more comfortable with his balance and setting up his shot, and he's already looking to have a quicker trigger on that shot. So you play in the NBA at that speed. He didn't have a lot of reps necessarily because of injuries in the past and things like that when he was younger. You, you get a feel for that game. You get a little stronger in your base. You get a little more balance. And at the end of the season, like, okay, he's, he's has more of a quick trigger. He has more of a green light. Now, you said, well, I don't know if he shot as well as I thought. Rookie, Cody, 19-year-old rookie in the NBA, shot 39% from three, 89% from the free throw line. Those are creme de la creme. Like, there's nothing holding him back from having a 40% career shooting trajectory in, in the 90s at the free throw line on high volume. And so I'm looking at that coupled with, well, if he gets a little better balance, can he attack closeouts? Can he score a little bit in the mid-range? Kind of put that together. To your point, to... to Evan's article, it's not a star level player really in my assessment because it's more one dimensional, but I think there is some mileage. I think this is a player who could pop forward in that regard. And he's interesting because he kind of has skills that he can still fit and amplify next to Trey Young because he can play off of Trey Young with the shooting, with a little movement, with attacking the closeouts that Trey Young creates. So in that sense, the other thing I'm always thinking about is the position and context a player is playing in to develop. And in this case, I actually think uh, it might help AJ, whereas another player on the Hawks, I'm wondering if, you know, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young's ball dominance could limit some of uh, his improvement. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I was going to say is he, you know, A.J. Griffin looks like the type of guy that's going to develop into somebody that wants to thrive almost purely off spot-up type of possessions. And when you're in the Hawks system, when Trey Young has the helm and then DeJounte Murray, of course, is the secondary guys there, that's going to be the main possession that you get. And I think in, in A.J. Griffin's case, that's definitely going to help him get those reps there. A couple other guys on that, at least one other guy on that team, I think is actually going to be held back by this kind of being relegated to a spot-up guy. Uh, so I'm going to transition us to, because uh, I think you want to talk about Jalen Johnson. Yes, Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. go yeah. ahead. I was hoping you'd say his name. So I'd, I almost didn't want you to start with the Hawks because this is the one team that I was going to be like kind of mean about. And that's, you know, if you look at like John Collins over the last couple of years, and obviously he's now in, in Utah, but he, like the majority of his offensive possessions – were spot-ups, right? And, like, he wasn't particularly good at them. Like, he was a 19th percentile scorer when it came to his his spot-up possessions. Jalen Johnson, this last year, he was, uh, I'm trying to pull it up right now, 19% of his possessions last year ended up with a spot-up three. He shot 28% from three on the season, Yeah. right? So this is just like taking somebody that has a bunch of these interesting skills. Maybe you could use him a little bit more as, as a role man, maybe using him more as a cutter or something like that, but... I'm just nervous about what his development looks like next Trey Young in this Hawk system where he's just going to be like stuck in the corner to take, I don't know, sub 30% three-pointers. No, that's the thing. He is like the inverse player to Griffin. I think Jalen Johnson has defensive potential. He's like 6'8", 6'9". He doesn't probably quite have the skill set or at least last year the awareness and the footwork to like really really slide with quicker players there I thought there were a number of possessions I saw him get beat off the dribble but the fact that the Hawks are saying hey we're trying to make the playoffs we're a playing team we're playing the Celtics in the playoffs Jalen Johnson you go guard the point guard that means something from the coaching staff right there for a young player and then additionally that athleticism that feel he's not a good shooter but he can put it on the floor and pass a little bit. He can slash. He can attack closeouts. His offensive rebounding was awesome. So you have this thing where it's like, how do you gauge 
when a player who has the shell to be a really good wing defender, we just talked about the best defenders in the last 15 years for like six hours straight, right? Um, they're big, they have these tools, they have wingspan, they have some awareness. He's pretty good in these areas. I wrote a little note just for you, Cody. I said, um, could kind of see him being like a Robert Covington on defense hmm. because that's how he plays a little bit. He, they try to throw him up at the point of attack. He's not great, but he's got something going on there. Uh, he's big enough to come over on the back line. He has some nice help possessions coming into the paint because he's huge. He's like six eight. 6'9", or whatever it is. So it's just fascinating to look at this team. And then they even have another young player who I kind of wouldn't get quite as excited about for a leap this season, but they even have someone like um, Okongwu, who's like, he's continuing to have an upward trajectory and has some really interesting skills. The, my little comp note to myself was like mini Bam on a bio, because if you actually look at his skill set, can he pass a little bit? Yes. Right. Cody, Cody's making a face, uh, the, the Alonzo morning meme face of like, no, yeah, yeah, well, actually, yeah. Um, like, you know, he's defensive. He can, he can initiate offense at the elbow. They have all these different parts. But to your point, looking at that environment and thinking about how that fits in with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, it, it's, it's a really interesting thing to try to sort of project or anticipate could they have players make really material jumps and help Atlanta become like a 50-something win team. The thing about Okongwu is that he already gets a lot of his, like when you watch him play, the majority of the times he gets the ball, he cuts, he grabs offensive rebounds, he's in a little pick and roll action, Ben. And like, that's kind of what he's already doing. And when I see that and I think about the skills he has, like maybe he can pass a little bit, but I'm like, I don't really see how much more he can improve. Obviously, he'll probably get a little bit better, but I don't necessarily see that big jump. Uh, but man, Jalen Jalen Johnson is a guy. I just want to end on him here for a second. That I think if he was in another position, if he wasn't caught in the ninth circle of Trey, that I would be like a lot more confident in the fact that he could showcase some of these skills. But uh, I'm I'm sort of nervous that he's going to end up on the John Collins train over these next few years. The, the Hawks are just fun. We'll have to save this for the season preview. But they're just interesting in general because we're talking about a team that. Uh, among all the players we've talked about, none of them are starters. So Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, Sadiq Bey, DeAndre Hunter, I think is the guy there right now, Clint Capella. So they have a number of players, they even have Bogdanovich, right? They have a number of players um, who he still plays there, right? We're doing our summer thing where I'm like, oh God, did someone get traded? And I don't know I about so. it. He did I think get he's traded? Still there. No, I think oh, he's, he's still there. there. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, so I'm just saying there's, there's a lot of uh, competition to possibly put talent out on the court but none of those guys for me Cody um, I think they're candidates but none of them were really like here's my list of the top few guys who I think are most likely to make the biggest jumps this season so I'll I'll throw the ball back over to you do you want to talk about a specific player or do you want to go to another one of these teams where it's like you started watching them and you're going god they got they got a couple guys here that could possibly break out let's see I don't I don't want to like you know, I don't want to fire the cannon too early here because I think there's some some really exciting teams that I want to talk about that I'm, I'm going to save a little bit. Uh, are you interested in any of the Pacers guys? The Indiana Maybe Pacers it, players? I am not. No. no. Did, okay. Which one of them jumped out to you? So I think out of all of them, uh, Andy out there, Mr. Andy Nembhard. Uh, rookie uh, Nembhard. Yeah, rookie Nembhard. Yeah, he that's a lot of nicknames here. Yeah, if you're if you missed that episode last year, um, something happened with the Pacers. We were talking about a Pacers game, and Cody could not remember Andrew Nembhard's, and he just said rookie Nembhard. And now every time I see Andrew Nembhard, I just say, "There's rookie." Ne like that should be his nickname, his entire career when he's 34. They should be like, "Good old rookie Nembhard hit a big three <laughs> at the end of the game." Um, so, okay, I buy him a little bit. Sure, sell, sell, uh, sell me on what you're sell me on what you're selling. Is that the expression? <laughs> I, I I don't know what just happened, but rookie Nembhard definitely sounds like a like a 1950s baseball guy that's like in his 38th year and he's hit like four home runs or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know why we're talking about other. You sports, did a great job yeah. with that cross sport reference there. You should be commended. Thank you. I try and I try and expand my horizons every episode here. This is a guy that like ran a few like pick and rolls last year, but there's a huge chance for him to improve his scoring ability off some of those pick and rolls because you know you look at some of his his true shooting percentage, his points per possession on those types of plays, they're not great, but I think he kind of has the skills like the rim finishing ability. 
it makes me a little bit nervous because I think a lot of his rim attempts are basically wide open because he doesn't really have like the speed to blow by guys to get to the rim. Um, but I think he has some like nice footwork. He's able to organize into the, these these tricky little mid range backup ten foot fadeaways. He's big enough where he's like I don't know. He's like six three barefoot. He's got like a six six ish wingspan. Uh, defensively, I think he's like pretty solid. Right out of some of those young Pacers guys, I think he's probably the best defender out of all of them. He's just the kind of guy that next to somebody like Tyrese Halliburton, I'm like, you know what? I think it's like a spot up attacking gaps, being a secondary creator, maybe taking control of some primary actions once in a while. I, I can see him progressively jitting a little bit better every year. You know, Cody, I kind of love this shout out. Um, okay. I don't know if I want to go to bat for it, as, as, as you said earlier, but yeah. if you look at his last 20 games of the last season, he was up at like... 14 points a game and I, I mean something crazy like six assists a game or something like that so it's it goes back to what you said about AJ Griffin and um, the article about feel just already having that ability at um, a younger age to play make a little be able to have a live dribble and make passes and things like that and that's a that's a, another example of like that end of the season, upward trajectory. Now, the one thing I'll say about him, and this is why his nickname should probably always be Rookie Nemhart, um, he is already 23, and and he'll be 24 in January. So he's like 20, he's over 23 and a half. That's on the older side uh, for a first-year player, right? Like, he's going into his second year, he's going to be 24. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that prevents a player from taking everything they had in the first season and, and synergizing it or synthesizing it. Um, and I think you see that at the end of last year. So it's interesting, but because I do think you've outlined a case that we're going to see improvement. The question is, how much improvement are we going to see? Yeah, he's definitely not like one of my core going to bat guys, but he's definitely someone that I look at him like, I like the situation for him. I think he can grow into a nice role with the Pacers if they, if they stick with him and, and Halliburton together. Okay, um, another team, I think, with multiple candidates, and I'm just going to throw you this alley-oop to, to start. How long have we been talking? To start this episode. Oh, we, we're, already ha- we're already like half an hour into the episode. What happened? Um, I, I want to throw, throw you a, a little Steve Nash lob action or something mm-hmm. here, Cody. Um, San Antonio Spurs. Okay. <laughs> how many players from the San Antonio Spurs are you excited about? Just a reminder to listeners that... Memphis Grizzlies former superstar backup point guard Trey Jones now plays for the Spurs. So Cody, I I lob the I, I serve the tennis ball back over to your side of the court. Um, is there a particular spur or two that you want to talk about? Did you mean to say Tyus Jones there? What did I say? Trey Jones? Is you he already Jones. on? He was already on the Spurs, right? He was, he was already yeah. on the Spurs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. You, you can see you can see where I went wrong in that situation. <laughs> We're going to – you throw me the lob. I'm taking my bat because this is baseball hour. I'm going to crank this one out of the field right now. No, tennis. I, I, wait a I'm going to backhand this right into the opposite corner. Uh, ben, Trey Jones, the brother of Tyus Jones, is definitely one of these guys that I'm going to bat for. I think Trey Jones – Ben, I have a fun little stat for you about Trey Jones, okay? So this is a guy that, like, last season he was uh, – I think this is the guy, right? No, okay. Sorry. I, I confused some of my numbers here a little bit. If you look at the last 10 seasons, starting with the 2013 seasons, okay? Mm-hmm. 92 guards during that time have shot over 83% from the free throw line over their career, okay? Over the last 10 seasons, okay? 92 of them have shot over 83%. Trey Jones is 92nd on that list in terms of three-point percentage for his career. You go and you watch some Trey Jones possessions. This is a sub-30% three-point shooter. The only other guy that's under 30% that's shot over 83% is DeMar DeRozan. Somebody whose jump shot is, I don't think, is conducive to shooting threes. You watch Trey Jones possessions. I'm like, this guy should be able to be a solid enough shooter. I don't know if he'll ever get up to 40%, but I see no reason, based on the organization, the follow-through, things like that, why he can't be in the mid-30s, right? But beyond that, this is a dude that... Unlike his brother, I think he's a lot more explosive, can get to the rim, uh, I, I think based off of his athleticism a little bit more. I think he's a feisty little defensive player, but uh, unfortunately, he's not like a very big person. He's like six foot, 
like flat six foot, not super long arm span. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of growth in terms of his jump shot. I think his passing game, he's got down. His brother is one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA. I don't know, man. It's his fertile ground for the growth of the Trey Jones era in San Antonio. I love this. I mean, if what are we going to do with the bingo card this season if Tyus Jones and Trey Jones um, are both on the Cody bingo card? It's, it's, it's family love. It's just... it's unbelievable and i even subconsciously announced it before tossing it your way i'm sorry about that uh trey jones if you look at his rolling epm estimated plus minus it's a, just a one number metric trying to summarize play and you look at you know as it rolls throughout the season the some five or ten game moving average uh he has a spike at the end of last year he kind of goes he you know steady as she goes until about march and then he upticks at the end of the season. Um, I, you know, I, I love stuff like that at the end of a year, going into a new year. And in his case, he's 23 and a half. Um, so, you know, my question to you is how does his brother coming in influence his opportunity to make like... Wait a second. His, wait a, where does his brother play, no, Cody? What's Ty, going on? Tyus Jones is going to Washington. Tyus, Tyus Jones is, is in Washington. Washington. Okay. Trey is the only Jones in the in San. You need to do, you need to be keeping up with the Joneses better no, here, Ben. This is this is pathetic. Uh, I'm so confused. I'm like not confused, but I'm saying things that are confusing me. Um, okay. the 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 guy I thought, Cody, the guy I thought that you were going to be more excited about from the Spurs, another one of these candidates from this team, is Keldon Johnson. Hmm. What what do you what's your take on him? How do you how do you feel about him? My my thoughts are complicated because it does tie into like my Devin Vassell thoughts, who <laughs> we can get to in a second. And I'm I'm gonna be honest with you, Ben, I've cooled on him since the last time we spoke at the beginning of the De- season. Devin. Yeah, Devin. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. I think we, I think we mentioned that in a, in an episode between uh, now and the beginning of last season. But I feel like Keldon is a guy that maybe we haven't talked as much about. He's also twenty three years old. Um, he's got an interesting. He's got like a bowling ball out there, kind of like <laughs> b- pounds around and and moves through people and things like that. But he's got he's got an interesting game. My my question looking at all these Spurs is like sa- same thing with Vassell. It's like where is the actual improvement going to come from? Yeah, so Keldon like he's not a great passer. Like he can make some passes, but I definitely there's nothing that screams to me that he's ever going to be like a lead creator type or a guy that like I really even trust as a secondary action type. Really physical driver. Like I really enjoy his driving game that way. Uh the the jump shot is pretty inconsistent. I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't recall the three-point percentage being great. And defensively, I actually don't know what his reputation is. I feel like I see it both ways, but I've never been like super impressed with him on defense. I just don't necessarily know if he and Devin Vizell, like I don't want to try and start like a new Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum type of thing, but I don't necessarily see like the viability of both of these guys together because they kind of, I don't know, they have some weaknesses that overlap. Their skills don't necessarily... Uh, enhance the other one. So, I don't know. I like Keldon Johnson. I think I'd almost like to see him in a different team, though. Well, we, we've we seen a good amount of growth in the last couple of years. I mean, he did average 22 points a game last season. But as I said in that episode four years ago, if you can make a jump, uh, and I'm not going to put an exact number on Keldon Johnson, but if you're like the 80th or 100th best player in the league or something, and you can become the 40th best player in the league, that to me is a huge deal it's going to move the needle more than going from like the 300th best player to the 150th best player or something like that and similarly you know if you are a top 70 or 60 player and you can get close to all-star level um that's enormous to me as well there's one more guy quickly i want to uh, hit on while we're on the spurs uh just a weird defensive jackknife player. We've talked about him before, but like Jeremy Sohan, how do you, especially with someone like Wembenyama coming in, how do you project forward? You know, what, what would his year two growth look like? That's a really tough question. Like what beyond just like being like a big hustle dude, grabbing a lot of rebounds. What about Sohan to, 
to you screamed like, oh, he's going to be able to show off like a jump shot. He can have a little bit of creation chops because nothing really like comes to mind when I think about I, him. I think the shooting is the issue. And he's, he's uh, in my sort of experience historically with rookies who can already pass a little bit and have some ball handling and are, you know, cutting around and grabbing rebounds. Um, they might not necessarily have an improvement in the next year because they're already it goes back to an older player like Keldon Johnson. If you're already comfortable physically, right, you're already a good athlete. You're not going to necessarily fill out or something like that. Um, and your shot doesn't come, but you can already dribble and move around a little bit. That's where I go. Okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised to have year two be very similar offensively for him. It's the defensive question. Like, like, can he, how do you make that jump into year two defensively versus just slow and steady by the time you're 25 you're like a really smart good nba defender that that's where it gets tricky for me yeah i i agree with that and i think with all of these guys too having somebody like victor Wembanyama come in who i think is going to come in as like a really solid defensive player if nothing else right that's going to be something he brings and i think that's going to sort of help a lot of these guys organize a little bit more have like a consistent like big man that's probably going to be able to pop and give them a little bit more space uh, is going to be able to clean up some mistakes defensively. So I think in that sense, even him coming in should give all of these guys just a little bit of an, of an improvement. Um, but I'm not sure. I think I think Trey Jones, to me, is the only one of them that I can like really see a clear pathway to getting a lot better. For the record, the uh, Keldon Johnson thing, I know he has a record of like being a good three-point shooter, but there seems to be a little bit of variability. And uh, I- I'm just I'm not convinced that he's like a knockdown secondary playoff somebody else type of three-point shooter. Just just for anyone that's going to nitpick that. All right. Who do you want to go to bat for, Cody? Let's get serious. Who who do you think has a good chance to be a, a big riser in 2024? You know what? I said one of my guys. I, I, give, give the people one of your opinions. How about you give me one of your going to bat guys? Okay. I will... Uh, well, so we talked about some players who I think have a good chance to break out when we did our um, redrafting of the last three drafts, right? Yep. So I'll, we'll, we'll mention those as we go through this, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on them because we've already talked about them. I can't remember. Did we have Jalen Williams in that draft? OKC guy? OKC Jalen Williams. The, yeah. Yeah, Santa, Santa Clara. J-Dub. J-Dub. J- yeah, I think I took him like seventh or we, sixth okay. or something. Okay, like we that. did have yeah. him in that draft. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's see. I would like to go to bat for... Um, mm, let's do LaMelo Ball. Yes, Ben. This like is one of my guys. For LaMelo Ball. Yes. Uh, I, first of all, LaMelo ball is already pretty good. And so this is one of these sweet spot. Like, can this guy become an all-star? He made the all-star team, but no, I mean like a legit top 20, top 25 player, um, really kind of leap forward. And I think the single biggest thing to start with, with LaMelo ball is that he just turned 22 years old. Which which kind of breaks my I'm like what how is that even humanly possible how is how is Lamelo Ball 22 but we were just talking about guys that finish their rookie year and they're like 23 or turning 24 because hasn't Lamelo Ball been around forever feels that way I, it kind of feels like it but it also might be like blending some of Lonzo's career with Lamelo and I don't <laughs> I don't know where the Ball brothers begin or end yeah well this will be his fourth season and um, in addition to his age. I, I just think his shell as a player. Uh, now, where can he improve? L- let me start there, actually. Where can he improve? Shot selection issues. I think that's something that can be cleaned up. He gets very loose with the trigger. And in his case, the, the other point I wanted to start with is his feel for the game. I think in many ways, he's got that savant-like, just make plays, understand where people are going to be. The game can move slower for him. He's incredibly quick and skilled for his size. And so when you have that foundation, Cody, I think you can trim and add and create value in so many different places along the margins, along with the big things that you figure out. Like like he's got to draw a little more fouls um, as he goes to the basket. You can kind of figure that out as you learn how to use your body and you learn how to manipulate people and you learn how they foul. But the shot selection issue is a great one too, because it's not like he's just 
in, indiscriminately jacking up shots. Instead, what I see a lot from him is I'm thinking about my move. I'm going 100 miles an hour. Dribble cross, dribble cross, hesitation. Oh, maybe that pass idea that would have been brilliant. Maybe it fizzled out and I didn't do it. I'm just going to shoot a 30 foot three. That is that that like sequence of 100 miles an hour going into a move. I thought I had the pass. Oh, I'll shoot the shot anyway. That is not where he should be shooting shots, I think. And I, I don't know what his percentage is if I like actually went through and tracked those sequences. But um, in rewatching some tape this week, it felt like about 4%. It felt like he just never made shots in that situation. And those were always the plays where I was like, whoa, you don't need to shoot that. You can learn to get something better. So I think it's uh, the tempo. I think it's the feel. The other thing with him at his age is he is one of these guys that I think filling out is going to make a difference. We saw this with his brother, a little bit so there's some uh, you know genetic precedent to follow there and just like getting broader shoulders getting a little sturdier getting a little more balance he strikes me as an athlete that could have great balance but he's playing so fast that he doesn't always have that i think you put all those things together with his playmaking and his uh, the fact that he probably can shoot pretty well in the long run um i think he could really be a star big question in my head is can he have a huge pop in 2024 or is it like the, I always think about Jason Kidd with these big guards like this. And just like, he just gets better every... Jason Kidd like, just got better every year. He didn't have that huge pop. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for some LaMelo action um, in terms of him, him improving going forward. Yeah, LaMelo is one of two guys that's like flirting with all-star level that I have in like, my going to bat here. A couple more things about LaMelo Ball. Out of all players last season that played at least 1,000 minutes, he had the 14th worst rim field goal percentage. So like, especially for like a guy that's huge for a guard, that's got to improve. And I think that's a clear place where we can start seeing improvement. And I think that also ties in with what you were saying about the free throws. He should probably be able to leverage that size, that ability to get to the rim to draw a bit more fouls. He's... I don't think it's exaggeration to say that he's, if we were to make like a top 10 passers list in the NBA, he's on that list. Like this is one of the maybe most audacious passers in the NBA. Like the guy that gives me the most like Magic Johnson. I'm going to just like whip this one handed across. I'm just going to try this out and see what happens. And it usually works out. So he's got like the, 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 stylish passes he sees openings he helps his teammates get uh get good shots the other thing that like really intrigues me about Lamelo is his defense because you know there is a history of some of these like six seven six eight types of point guards that aren't necessarily great defenders like Penny Hardaway comes to mind Magic Johnson himself comes to mind who you know he had steals a lot but not a great defensive player but Lamelo has flashes where he's really disruptive in passing lanes, where he can use that length to pick up steals, where he's able to go around and make a play. But then there's other times where I'm like, do you care about this possession like like at all? Like It kind of feels like the the three-point jacking up types of plays you were talking about. Well, it's like, well, I guess this guy's just going to beat me, and I'm just going to, like, ole slap at him and call it good. So there's a few, like, mental things that I think he shored up. Like, I think this is a pretty clear all-star flirting with all-NBA type of guy. Yeah, the the shell is right there. Um, I mean, I think we could talk about this for an hour because when he gets he really gets going, there's, there's just so much to the package. And to the point, your point about rim finishing is so perfect with what I'm seeing for opportunity for growth because he has good touch. He can, he can score and finish off of either foot going into the lane. He has these crazy scoop shots with his left and right hand and like little floaters. And you're like eight feet away and he's taking like a lefty flying scoop shot. And on one hand, you might think like, yeah, those are all difficult shots. There's some truth to that. On the other hand, as he learns how to attack those spaces and when to go to what shot, because there's also attempts in there. You're just like, nah, nah, man, you didn't need to. <laughs> you didn't need to do that. You just go for the foul or kick it out. Or, but you didn't need to do like the double underhand scoop, throw it over your head thing. You take that out. Then you look at the three-point shooting. Last year, Cody, the dude took 15 threes per 100 possessions. Sorry, 14. 14 threes per 100 possessions at 38%. And we're talking about cleaning up his shot. And he's an 80, you know, 5% free throw shooter in the last two seasons or whatever. 86% free throw shooter, actually, in the last two seasons. And we're still talking about someone who's 21 years old who just turned 22. So uh, I think the foundation is there. I'm really excited to see if something can happen there. And then all of a sudden you have a star driving the ship and you have to look at Charlotte a little differently. 
Yeah, I, I just wish that Charlotte could pick up somebody that's like more of a score guy so he could have like that clear secondary guy. That, like like a Sean Marion to it. He needs to find a Sean Marion to Steve Nash or a Mari Stoudemire to a Steve Nash sort of thing. Yeah, and, and one more thing there about Charlotte. Um, I think having Mark Williams, it looks like they're going to kind of go to Mark Williams as the primary center. Last year you had a lot of um, Plumlee and things like that. I think having a vertical lob threat is a more natural target in the pick and roll game. So it's one of those things where when you look at the context of the team and you potentially look at the the players they have out there, um, I think it's all potentially there for LaMelo to jump forward. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to another guy now that we we did LaMelo hour. I'm 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 percolating. I'm I'm excited. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go away from like the star level guys, and I'm gonna back up a little bit. This is one of the role players that I'm just like one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA. Uh, Jaden McDaniels, Ben, Cody, what's going on? That's my next guy. No way! That is my next guy. So I will uh, I'll let you have the mic. It's I don't know if it's because we podcast all the time that we just start start thinking alike. I don't know what it is. We I need to throw in a, a curveball or something. I did not what? think you would have Jaden here. Jaden is kind of like my little sleeper guy of like um man i just yeah go ahead okay so just in general like he's incrementally better each season like he's always adding just a little bit more he like one of the skills that i think is difficult to improve on defense he's already like one of the best defensive wings in the nba like there's his ceiling is basically like best defensive wing in the NBA, which is already, like, a huge value add. Uh, the the off-ball shooting thing, like, he's already, like, an efficient off-ball spot-up type of guy, and he's starting to blend in these attacks to the basket, right? And something I've really liked to see is just, like, these extension, like, posterizing dunks that he throws down. Like, he can attack with absolute reckless abandon sometime. A really weird thing, like, a really... Uh, not weird, I shouldn't say, but a clear place where he can develop is, like, driving to the right... He seems to be, like, really uncomfortable organizing his pull-up mid-range jump shot. If you see him drive to the left a lot, he has this nice little, like, pull-up. He can bank it sometimes. He can. He's so long, he can get it over, like, anybody. But to the right, he almost, like, doesn't know what to do besides just to, like, crash into people and throw it up. So I think, like, figuring out how to organize his shot off the dribble, uh, just, you know, in general, improving his shooting. Because, like, the free throw percentage and three-point percentage is a little bit sporadic each season. So I don't necessarily know where he's going to, like, level out. Uh... But yeah, I don't know, man. He's got some developing passing skills, even though he's not necessarily used a ton in that way. He's just, you know, the defense and then all of these other skills that I think can get incrementally better. I think this is going to be a pretty special role player. Well, Cody, I think you can even go beyond role player with him. That's what's interesting. Um, the ball handling, you, you, like specifically the fact that he is 6'8", 6'9", and can dribble like that. It's a little it's it's similar to Jalen Williams in that sense that like Jalen Williams, when you watch him, his his ball handling is ridiculous, allows him to play the style he plays, go all over the court, play five out, drive and pass off of that live dribble action. And what's crazy about McDaniels is he's this defensive wing, three and D mold, quote unquote, three and D mold. Um, You said role player. As he's he's his minutes and his role has increased it during his young career. The dude shot forty percent from three last year, and then you look at that ball handling. It's really good. It can get better. It's still a little looser, but he's working on it. He's he's in the workshop. He's got the hand eye coordination. He has a nasty low crossover for a player that big, like like incredibly good low crossover for a player that big. And then because he has the comfort with the live dribble ball handling, he can pass out of that situation already. Uh, he's not a high usage offensive player. He doesn't know how to, you know, he doesn't, he hasn't shown yet that he can really pressure defenses enough to start making that a primary playmaking situation. But it's it, like, there's something there where he's a willing passer. He's already a player making good passes. And then at the end of the year, this all started to come together. He started to have some huge games. People miss nights. And all of a sudden, Jaden McDaniels is like the primary guy for the Timberwolves going for like 20, 25 point games. It's all kind of there. He's learning to use his stride. He's another player that as he gets stronger physically, um, I mean, I just think I just think there's so much there. And consistent with what we've talked about, he's, he's a touch older, but he's still not 23. He's 22 years old and about 11 months right now. So um, still on that part of the aging curve where you can naturally see 
a big jump. I am I am psyched for Jaden McDaniels this season. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as him, but he's definitely on the like Paul George school for defensive minded big wings that need to learn how to dribble more. And I, I sort of like that. So based on all these things, you seem even higher than I do. Do you think oh, yeah. he can get himself up to an, to an all-star level player? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, obviously, it's unlikely that that happens just in a single season. But I think the thing that's fascinating about him is you can see the template for him to come back this season in 2024 and people be like, oh, yeah, no, Jane McDaniels is a really good player. But there's also a little bit more if you keep going forward, if he keeps fleshing out some of these skills to actually be a more complete, well-rounded, like two-way player, right? Who can who can score, pressure defenses, get into a mid-range shot, use his size, the three-point shooting, which is already there. Yeah, he's he seems pretty comfortable with that. You know, another thing is you watch players play when they're young, Cody, and they can flash certain skills. But I really find it important to watch the flow of a game and kind of try to get in the mindset of like, when do they push? When do they pull back? How aggressive are they? How do they feel handling these um, larger responsibilities? Do the, do the decision make, is the decision making like fly out the window now that the team has asked them to be the primary guy? Stuff like that. And I just liked what I saw from McDaniels at the end of last season. So I, I actually do think uh, even though it's a lower probability he does have a shell to grow into that I, I think we would describe as a two-way star. Yeah, I, I think he has great potential. And, you know, I, I'm i interested in the Timberwolves next season. I think they ended, like, I'm not going to quite go as far as Towns and say it was more impressive than the Nuggets championship run, but, like, they ended on a nice little high note. I'm like, okay, they, they kind of went at the Nuggets a little bit. I was interested in this, so I think this is a good ecosystem and team concept for uh, Jaden McDaniels to continue developing in. All right, who else? I'm I'm running out of players that I really want to go to, to bat guys. to bat for. You have two, I have one. So, mm. but then maybe there's a few other small names that we need to mention or I need to pick your brain about. But give me one more of your big uh, go to bat guys for now. Oh man, do I do I pick the guy that I think you might also have, or you know what? Let's Ben. Let's stick. Let's stick with the Timberwolves, Ben, because I also have Anthony Edwards. Uh, he, no, he's my number no. one guy. No, he's my number he's, one. He's literally my number one. Guy. He's literally <laughs> right here. I wrote it on a piece of paper. It says number one, Anthony Edwards. Um, what's happened? We're gonna. We're, we're this is gonna be a quick show. We're gonna get in under an hour. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out a way to extend it. Okay, okay. okay. Hold on. <laughs> now that you've let this cat out of the bag, I was trying to circle back to this and be and be cheeky. But here's the thing. Now we just have to talk about the Timberwolves. I feel like. They would be better. I'm going to do what you did with the Hawks, okay? And this is not new. I said this a while ago. And this is not an indictment of him as a player. It's just a fit thing. I feel like they would be better if they could trade Carl Anthony Towns and get some balance back uh, Mm -hmm. instead of another big man. Because if you lean into Rudy Gobert as a rim protector and a paint protector. And, you know, we talked about it. He still had a fantastic defensive season. Uh, he gave Jokic probably the hardest time that Jokic had in the playoffs against Denver. Uh, and I think it fits with more of the type of personnel we're talking about. And it fits with Anthony Edwards becoming like the guy that he could potentially become this season. So um, I'll let you wax poetic about what you're thinking about where Edwards could go this year. But I I think when we talk about the ecosystem and all these players fitting together, that part jumps out to me where it's like, man, I don't, I still don't love that fit with the two bigs, especially as we talk about these other guys potentially taking off. And I think positionally, like Jaden McDaniels could be a guy that's maybe a nice little four spot. Like he could play that four spot and split his time between the small forward and power forward. In terms of Anthony Edwards, though, like we, everything starts back to the infamous 25 under 25 draft, Ben. Uh, neither of us were very high on how Anthony Edwards started this last season, right? I don't think that's a secret. I thought he was really inconsistent defensively. He didn't come in as fully in shape as we would have liked. But man, that playoff run, really small sample size. And even like getting there near the end of the season, I thought he came out just like with a chip on his shoulder. And I've talked about it so many times, but maybe the best first step in the NBA, the sort of thing that you really can't teach. The I've been really skeptical skeptical of the jump shot 
for these first couple of seasons. I'm starting to believe it now, Ben. Like, the jump shot seems to be really consistent for him, and he seems to really have, like, developed it into a useful tool as opposed to just like, oh, I'm going to hopefully rely on it when the defense is in front of me. Uh, defensively, I don't want to say he's like LaMelo because he's easily a better defensive player than LaMelo right now, but there's, like, a lot of, like, shoring up that could make him so much better on defense. Like, I don't know. I don't know if being an all-D guard is out of the question in terms of his tools and the way that he's able to disrupt play. I don't necessarily see it, but I think like his range extends up there. Um, I think this is a really special player that has a ceiling that definitely extends into like some kind of all-NBA level player. Oh, yeah. I think, the, I think the interesting question is, like, how much does it extend? And where does that value come from? Um, he ended up averaging... 25 a game last season, shot 37% from three, 77% from the line on his career, and about four assists tonight. There are some things about him that as he potentially becomes a really, really high-level player, I want to talk about and maybe nitpick, uh, but let's talk about the superpowers, Cody. You mentioned first step. Have you seen any of the FIBA? I mentioned the summer, okay? I mentioned that. He's like, he looks like a man amongst boys. The only thing is he's playing in, in, in an international tournament with all these high-level players. Like, he's playing Germany. Germany has Daniel Tice, Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner, uh, Denny uh, Schroeder, Isak Bonga on the court. It's not slouches. And Anthony Edwards just comes down the lane and takes a power dribble and takes off on two feet and just dunks over everyone and rocks them like he's Shaq, like they're little kids. It just like athletically, that ability to get to the basket, um, you know, when you talk about age, just that like athletic prime, he's filled out, he's thick, he just turned 22 years old. That's another thing. I don't know how, how is that possible? How did he just turn 22 years old? How is he so young? The jump shot, I think he can get it from anywhere against anyone. It's not like, all-time great, but I think it's legit. Mid-range, three-point range. Uh, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan earlier as a player whose shot mechanics might not support range. I think Ant is going to be pretty solid out to 24, 25, 26 feet. We saw it in the playoffs. Um, he could pass a little bit. More, more importantly, he can play make because he has the sense of dribbling and getting downhill. And as you said, he does have some potential defensively. I think the weaknesses, I, he still can be a little asleep off the ball on certain possessions on offense and defense. And sometimes the instincts for what to do, I don't love them and the decision making. So that potentially holds him back. But it, it holds him back from being like the best player in the league at this point. Because I think, I think if he has the improvement that a lot of people are anticipating and to a certain degree you and I are in that camp now we're talking about what he could be this season um you're now talking about a guy who's going to be like an elite scorer and coming with that an elite playmaker and coming with that potentially a positive defender and a positive defender in the right environment who could be part of a really good defensive unit and I think all that is I mean that's top 10 player in the NBA, and that's a, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal to get to that level. And, you know, I think... I say it all the time. I definitely fall prey to it. But, like, the first step thing, that's not the only thing that goes into being an excellent, like, scorer on drives, right? Because I think of, like... Like the top guys in terms of first step, you have John Morant, you have Anthony Edwards. Both of these guys are just like incredible at blowing by guys. But John Morant always makes me nervous where it seems like his only gear is just going straight at the guy as high as you can and as fast as you can. Anthony Edwards, the way that he organizes his launching is it blows my mind because he can jump off one foot from like 12 feet away and dunk it or lay it down on someone. He can like hop over and explode off two feet to avoid people. He can jump off his right leg, his left leg. I think that's the thing that impresses me most about his finishing ability is like in that split second decision after getting by the defense, he's so good at just like varying up the way that he's going to take off that like the defense doesn't quite know how he's going to attack. And he's not just like going straight at the guy. He's good at avoiding people. He knows when to try and posterize someone. Um, I, I don't know, man, the tools on this guy and the development that we've seen even across one year, one calendar year, it, this guy is special. He's just special. Cody, do you have any more 
players who are kind of like you want to names that you want to discuss or players that you thought about um, because those are the guys I really wanted to to talk about as being like serious serious candidates for moving the needle along with a few other names that we discussed in the redraft of the uh, last three drafts that we don't have to rehash I just want to mention them those players for me are guys like Evan Mobley uh, we mentioned Jalen Williams and Trey Murphy the third um, do you have anyone else that you you want to mention before we get out of here I do and I feel a little bad because I feel like we're like you know, coming down from the climax of the story, but we we didn't plan this. This is this is what happened. This is you know, we just do it live. Okay, here's the guy I'm really excited about. We're gonna go all the way to one of my favorite favorite teams. Like if we're talking bias, like I'm very biased for towards this team, the Orlando Magic. Ben, and I'm not talking about Franz Wagner. Okay, I'm not talking about Paolo Bancaro. I know. Yeah, I'm talking about Cole Anthony. Ben. Oh wow, wow. Oh, yeah. So let me give you my spiel on okay. Cole Anthony. I love okay? this. Here's a dude that, if you look at every season he's been in the NBA, his true shooting percentage, three-point percentage, free throw percentage, field goal percentage have all gone up every single season. If you look at pretty much any place on the court, he improves them every single year. I think it, it almost is 100% clear where he improves his shooting in every single area every single year. Okay, When he's on the court with both, with both Paolo and Franz, he averages like 14.5 points per 75 on 54% true shooting. Um, when he's on the court without those two, he gets up to like 23.5 points per 75 on still about 54% true shooting. But like the team has a plus six net rating. It's like 250 minutes. It's not a huge sample size. It's 114 offensive rating. But this is a guy that can like kind of step up, ramp up his scoring a little bit and doesn't lose a ton of efficiency. That's the one clear place where I think he can improve his efficiency because last season he was basically a 90% free throw shooter he's like a career 86% free throw shooter I see no reason again he's got a really smooth looking three-point jump shot it's one of these quick release type things I have no doubt that he'll be a great three-point shooter his passing Ben he's able to blend just like the on-ball drivel with these like nice laydowns and kickouts um defensively he's a tenacious little dude i'm thinking back there's a knicks game at one point where he's just giving jalen brunson the business a strong guy that's willing to get into your face the issue with him he's like six three and i think he literally has like six foot three inch arm span so he's got like the tx arm syndrome so that's definitely going to hold back the defensive potential the finishing potential and things like that but it's a guy that can like shoot next to these two other guys they're going to create a lot as somebody that can pass both off like a spot up drive or a pick and roll type of action um i see no reason why he's not going to continually get better and why that true shooting percentage isn't going to keep ticking up every single season I like this, Cody. I like this. I, I thought I, – I, I'm a little surprised. I thought I was going to get a name from you like um, maybe a Jalen Duran in mm. Detroit or like a Jaden Hardy. Uh, Jalen's – they're Jalen's and Jaden's everywhere. I am going to get are. so mixed up. I mean, I'm getting the Joneses <laughs> confused. There's so many things happening. Uh, they, they, didn't quite, they didn't quite have it for me to really think like it's likely – this is – wasn't enough there for me to go to bat for players okay. like that. Uh, and then I think the defensive bigs are really tricky to try to figure out sometimes where that pop is going to come from. But there's one more name that I want to mention. I just want to throw out there. Uh, yeah, I just want to throw, I, you know, just interesting name. But I, I feel like philosophically, I have to bring up a movement shooter. I have to bring up a this year's, you know, Kevin Herter that could just sneak up a little bit, maybe out of nowhere. And I also have to give love to a, a team that we never, ever, ever, ever talk about on this show. I think I'm interested to see what happens with Corey Kispert. I mentioned him earlier. And the Washington mm. Wizards this season, uh, they have a very kind of different feel now that Bradley Beal has been traded. And I like Kispert. question is, is he solid now? Does he get better? How much better can he get? But he is 24 years old, turned 24 years old at the end of last year. Last 15 games of the season, Cody. It's always a fun one, this last 15 games of the season. He played 32 minutes a night, averaged 17 points a game. Doesn't get to the line too much, but he's got that movement shooting thing where he took eight threes a game at 42%. And I think maybe if you put that in the right environment and he kind of is like a solid defender, I don't know. It's, it's one of these guys that doesn't have huge uh, potential as a star 
to grow into for me, but I'm just wondering, you know, are there in the way the league, the, the way the game is played today in the league, can guys like that, when they just really become, it happened with Kyle Korver, I think at a certain point in his career, where if you remember Kyle Korver was just like a guy on the 76ers who was just running around. And then one day it was like the Hawks were like, let's build our offense around Kyle Korver. <laughs> Kyle just run around and shoot a ton and have a bunch of gravity. So I just want to throw that name out there as a, as a tip of the cap to Washington. I don't want to ruin any like pre-season discussion type things. I think the Wizards, they're trying not to be mean. I think the the lineups without Jordan Poole for the Wizards are going to be some of the most fun lineups to watch in this upcoming NBA season. Corey Kispert, like you said, great shooter. I don't necessarily think he has like much of a creation bag. Like You're not going to be having him run any kind of high pick and rolls. But I like, like you said, maybe like a shorter Clay Thompson. He seems to be like solid enough defender. I don't think he's ever going to be like sick him on somebody, but he's a good enough defender. But tell you what, Ben, some of the backup point guards. You've one of my favorites, DeLon Wright. You have my favorite, Tyus Jones. You have Denny Avdia, who I think is maybe like a top six, seven switchable defenders in the NBA. You don't have Porzingis anymore, but Daniel Gafford, is he going to be unleashed and play 30 minutes a game and showcase his rim protection abilities? Kyle Kuzma, the Kuzma, Kuzma-Avdia combination at forward is going to be really interesting to deal with. I don't know, man. There's going to be some fun lineups there that uh, I think Kispert, I think Avdia, Gafford, all these guys are going to be showing some really exciting things next year. This was a fun one, Cody. Um, I, anyone else that you want to mention before we get out of here? You know, actually, there's kind of like a, like a nerd NBA guy that I feel like it's brought up a lot. I, was, uh, I, I just want to say I was disappointed, okay? Oh, I was no. disappointed that I know how much you love the Boston Celtics, that they're <laughs> your favorite team in the whole league. And I thought you were going to come out here and make the case that Sam Hauser was just going to be a flamethrower this season for them um, now that they've, you know, retinkered the lineup. But anyway, continue. You were going to you were going to say, yes. Yeah, Boston Celtics who's just like you and I just love more than any other team. Um, well, I grew up thoughts? there. So you can you you say that people people take you seriously. Um, who who is it? What do you think about Kaylian Hayes? I, I it's so funny you mention him because I was just thinking about how Killian Hayes is like the ultimate player example in the last few years to me as someone who never popped, just Mm -hmm. never popped. And so some of this is looking at the situation. Some of this is looking at the indicators that we've talked about. Some of this is seeing guys start to expand. And some of it, as we talked about with someone like uh, Jaden McDaniels, is like, you watch a player and they have flashes and you can see a shell of something. And if you scout the great players in history, and, and goodness knows I've spent way too much of my life doing this, like when you go back and watch them when they're very young, it's there. You know what I mean? It's all yeah. there. They look the same for the most part. It's just they haven't figured stuff out. They haven't trimmed the fat. There's, there's a lot that comes to they haven't added an extra super move that opens up everything else. Like when you watch young Steph Curry, it's all there right? It's just like, well, he hasn't actually really become comfortable shooting 16 threes a game from inside 32 feet, and his ball handling wasn't as tight, and he didn't have the reads down that stars learn to make. The thing with a guy like Hayes is I just, there are a lot of draft people that have liked him. I've never seen it. So I kind of just always think he's okay, and therefore, I don't I don't think he's been super impactful in his career, and I don't anticipate him uh, being a breakout player. But of course, the fun thing about the league, especially when you get to like preseason and early season, is you get to see what guys did over the summer. And um, the great, the latest example of this for me that's so fun was Gary Payton II, where a couple of years ago, I turned on the first Warriors preseason game and I did like a triple take because I was like, who is that mutant out there? And I was like, I, I started like Google. I was like, Gary Payton the second the, from what? I thought he was out of the league. How could he? How old is he? What's happening? Did he come back in a time machine? That's what could happen with Dante Exum this mm-hmm. season. Cody. Yeah, I think we should. That's that's what I'm going for. The Dante Exum rebirth. The renaissance. I, yeah, I, I hope we get the Exum Ben Simmons comeback here. That's yeah. I'm I'm cheering for both of those. The Dante Eximus. Um the, So okay, so you you know you Killian Hayes. He you're a big fan. I never knew this. No, I, I didn't say I was a big fan. I just wanted to know because I I feel the same way. Like it's one of those things where 45 percent of his shots last year came between three and 16 feet, and like 
if you watch, like in terms of like 80s watching the field goal percentage, you're like, oh, this is probably like an okay enough player, but he's not a good enough scorer from that position or area to really like drive any good efficiency. His legs are kind of all over the place when he takes a pull-up jumper shot. His standstill shot kind of looks like a Matt Bonner, like lefty sort of, you know, <laughs> slingshot it from there. Um, I love the passing, like maybe something's there, but uh, he needs to really fix that jumper. If you want to support us, check out patreon.com slash thinking basketball. That is the best way to directly support this show and everything we do. We also have merchandise, which is I'm not wearing it. You're not wearing it for the YouTube audience. What kind of decision to talk about the merchandise is this today? I guess it's consistent with my general lack of sleep and inability to keep players named Jaden, Jalen, Tyus, Trey, or Jones in a, in order. Or I don't know what I don't know who plays for what. Anyway, Patreon patreon.com slash thinking basketball. You can sign up there. We're gonna have our monthly Q and A coming up soon. Um, and yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks as always for listening all the way through to the end. And of course, I hope you're having a great day.